Well, hey, uh, well, I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes here about five ways uh, that you can find peace in anxious times. I'm really glad you joined us. Uh, if you have not filled out, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, you can fill out a Connect card. Um, so a few of you are in the room here. If you want to fill out one of the Connect cards in front of you as well, you can do that as well. Um, and we just have a few people. We're not Sedgwick County, if you're watching, we're not over the 250 person. It's just a smattering of folks, leaders that are here in the room today. Um, so uh, you want to fill that out. Larry uh, Page, our, our student pastor, is our, kind of your online pastor on Facebook Live. He'll put the link up and you can fill that Connect card. Uh, there's a place there to put prayer requests and we would love to pray with you. Our staff's still going to be in the building this week meeting and we'll pray over every single one of those prayer requests. We want to be here for you during this time. If you need help, please reach out to us. You can email us at hello at firstnaz.org. And um, if you need anything, we want to be there for you as, as a church. Um, but before we talk about five ways you can find peace in anxious times, I want to pause for just a second and address this moment that we're in as a, as a culture and really as a globe. Um, this is really a test. When I was a kid, used to watch He-Man uh, on cartoons on Saturday mornings, and He-Man would be just about to beat Skeletor. Those of you who remember this, and this is nostalgic, some of you, you can YouTube this. And, and watch this, but He-Man would be just about to beat Skeletor, and there were only three channels, uh, plus public um, television, and so right when He-Man would be about to beat Skeletor, this sound, and I'm going to make the sound for you, and you're going to know the sound, and the sound was, and it just high-pitched scream, and then, and we all knew what it meant, and this voice would come on and say, this is a test, this is only a test, this is a test of the emergency, you know what, the emergency broadcast system. And it was a test of the system to make sure that it worked. Now, I think this moment, this pandemic, never lived through a time like this in our history as a country. This is a unique historic moment. Um, in the same way, this is a test for the Christian church to make sure that it works. Now, here's what I think the test is. The test is, Will we be the church? Will we meet people's needs? Will we check in on people? Will we love sacrificially? Will we do what's right and loving even if it's hard? I'm, I'm thinking um, here in our city, I'm thinking about the kids around us in, uh, near our building. We have a lot of at-risk uh, families. And the number of kids, if schools stay out for more than weeks, that count on the school uh, breakfast and lunch as their only meal. How are they going to eat? What are we going to do? So we're, we're thinking through all of those things. How do we step up as a church and do that? The church isn't closed. <laughs> it's just the buildings that are closed. So it, here's the test. Will we be the church or are we fine with being people who just go to church? That's the test that uh, is in front of us. Now, you're, you're having the average experience of a Christian in America. If you think about it, the average experience of worship, Christian worship, uh, for a, a, a Christian in America today is doing exactly what most of you are doing. You're sitting in your living room in your pajamas. And um, there's, uh, there's a test in that. Um, are we going to empower people to meet needs? Now listen, I, I, I'm convinced that our church is going to pass the test with flying colors, and these, these are going to be our best moments. And we're going to pass the test by allowing our mission to be renewed. So there's a test there. Okay, so let's talk about this. Five ways that you can find peace in anxious times. Now, we're Christians, and so whenever we don't know what to do, we go to Jesus. And one of the titles for Jesus is 
the Prince of Peace. And he successfully built a movement uh, on peace. Now, there, there are obviously some glaring exceptions to that in the history of the Christian church. When we have not been people of peace. We've not been people of the way of Jesus. But that's kind of what Jesus is known for. You know, he was unruffled and he was unruffleable. I think that's a new word I just made up. And so we're going we're gonna to learn five things from Jesus about how to find peace in anxious times. Um, we're going to put a scripture up. If you're, again, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, I will post it there. But John chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. These are the words of Jesus, and we're going to kind of use this as the banner. We're going to hang these five things on, okay? I'm going to read it to you out loud. And if you have a Bible, you're welcome to open it and follow along. G- words of Jesus. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, here's, here's the word, the banner we're going to hang everything on. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, this, these things that we're going to talk about apply in any time. But we're going we're gonna to hang everything on this phrase from Jesus. My peace I leave you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Now, you may say, well, what is the world? Well, the world there, a simple understanding of that is society or our culture that we live in. And, and we're going to take that verse like a banner. Now, think about a high school gymnasium, and they've got the first time they won state, you know, and there's the banner, one state. And then if you go to some high school gymnasiums or college gymnasiums, you'll see uh, smaller banners underneath that lists all the other times that they were champions. And so we're going to hang that banner, my peace I leave with you, I do not give to you as the world gives, and we're going to hang these other banners and find out how we can win at finding peace. So we're going to do some compare and contrast with the kind of peace that Jesus gives versus how the world, our society, our culture tells us that we can uh, find peace. And so we're going to look at five passages of Scripture, and we're going to do this compare and contrast thing. You ready? Okay, here we go. Uh, first way that you can find peace, I'm going to call this, you need to change your route. Change your route. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, that's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to some Christians in ancient Turkey. This is the words of the Apostle Paul, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of of the Spirit is, now some of you know this passage, and I'm going to say these words for you, love, joy, third thing, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Now, uh, I need you to understand that Paul is talking about how to have the best kind of life. Now, maybe you have not realized this, but the message of Christianity is that you can have the best kind of life. Now, let me pause right there because some of you are thinking about the title of a book called Your Best Life Now, and that's a kind of about using God to get what you want. Not talking about that. Talking about finding out what God says is best. And so Paul is making an argument in his letter that culminates here, and he's talking about the root that your life comes from. And he's saying, listen, if you get down to the root and you have the right root, then you'll have the right fruit. And if you don't have a good root, then you're not going to have good fruit. And in the age of coronavirus, please eat lots of fruit. It's good for you. That's a whole nother, whole nother issue. Uh, so he gives you options, right? He says the, the fruit, the, the root that we can tap into is God's spirit 
Or, if you read a few verses before that, and you can read that later, he talks about the root can be you just tap into your basic human nature without God. And you can read the list that he says comes out of that root. It's things like hatred and jealousy and arguments. Now, I am a pastor. I've been a pastor for about a quarter of a century, and I deal with people all the time, and I want to give you an empirical observation from dealing with thousands of people. What Paul says about the root that you base your life on and the fruit that comes from the root is 100% accurate. Every time I have dealt with somebody who has come with their life in shambles and they are living by their instincts alone, it is always a train wreck. That's why they come see someone like me as a pastor. They don't know what to do. And peace is not the outcome of that way of life. Now, that's how the world gives you peace. Just do whatever works for you. That's how the world tells you to get at that. But Paul gives us another option, and he says you can have a life firmly planted in the God who made you. You can put deep roots down. God's Spirit can be in you. Then things can grow on the tree of your life that you couldn't get on your own. Things like love and joy and peace. Now, again, I'm a pastor. Empirical observation from dealing with hundreds and thousands of people. 100% accurate. The people who have used God's Spirit as the root of their life are people who experience peace. So you got to change your root. That's number one. Number two is, and I'm I'm calling it this, uh, get the right referee. (coughs) Get the right referee. I'm coughing. I don't have the coronavirus. It's all good. Uh, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, another letter from the Apostle Paul. He says in verse, chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about, and if you're reading that, the word is anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, Paul, you might say, don't be anxious about anything? I mean, what kind of miracle are we looking for here? Uh, but then he goes on, verse 7, And the peace of God, there's the word we're looking at today, the peace of God which transcends All understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he says there's a peace that you can have from God that goes beyond your ability to understand it. And when you have it, what it does is it guards your heart and your mind. Now remember, if you're listening to that and you're saying, well, that sounds kind of far-fetched. Again, we're comparing and contrasting how the world gives us peace or says we can have peace and how Jesus gives us peace. So Jesus says, I don't give as the world gives. So how, how does the world explain how to guard our hearts and minds so that we can find peace? Well, if you can find anybody who actually talks about that, you might find a TED Talk. Um, you might find a meme on Facebook or on Instagram that talks about wine 30 after you put the kids to bed. Uh, you, you might find someone who tells you, you know, take the difficult people in your life and tell them to go take a flying leap. And those things might all help in the short term, but they don't offer really clear guidance and they won't solve your problem because that's how the world gives peace. Figure it out. That's how the world does it. Now, how does Jesus give peace? Paul says that we're, when we're anxious, that we're to, through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Let me, let me break those down. So prayer conversation, petition, seeking answers, uh, thanksgiving, 
gratefulness. So conversation, seeking answers, gratefulness. Now think about that for just a second. Um, we're talking about these things, um, and, and if you diligently seek answers, you, you maintain an attitude of gratefulness, and you, you talk about the things you're trying to figure out, I think this might work. Now, this is not new advice. I, I can personally hear some guru showing up on a show like The View and you know, giving this advice. Well, talk about the things that you're going through and, and diligently f- try to find the right answers and then you know, maintain an attitude of gratefulness. And I can hear the audience ooing and aahing and go, oh, yeah, that's fantastic. But this is 2,000-year-old advice. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So now think about this, that, that guard. I told you, you you need to get a different referee. That word there, guard, kind of has the connotation of what we would think of as a referee. Now, what does a referee have that they wear around their, their neck, right? They have a whistle. And when you hear the whistle, what do all of the players on the court do? They stop, right? So the peace of God, Paul says, Jesus says, whistles and tells you when to stop. Now, how do you get that? Well, you have to know Jesus, and you have to do what he says. So you've got to, you've got to get a new referee. Okay, third thing. Third way. I'm going to call this clarify the focus of your thoughts. Uh, Isaiah, we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Uh, Isaiah says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast or fixed, on, on God because they trust in you. Now, Isaiah, if you don't know, was a friend, uh, uh, was a, uh, a mentor to Jesus from a distance through reading the, the, the prophet Isaiah. He, uh, Isaiah, you've heard the words of Isaiah, if you're not familiar with Isaiah, quoted by Martin Luther King in his I Have a Dream speech about every mountain um, being brought down and every valley being lifted up. That's from Isaiah. And, and what Isaiah is saying is that peace is a byproduct of your thought life. So if you continually think anxious thoughts and you constantly worry, you will have no peace and and you won't be able to have peace because it simply won't be possible. Now, how does the world say, again, we're comparing and contrasting, how does the world say that we're to focus? Uh, And now, honestly, some people talk about this particular thing in in great detail and, and some people talk about all of these things. But mostly, we have to constantly fight and worry because we have constant threats. We're, we're in the media. If you're listening today and you're um, watching one news network, you're going to hear one thing, another news network, another thing. If you go on Facebook, someone's going to post an article that says this. If you're on Instagram, someone's going to po- post a funny meme that makes you think that. And, and that's just how it goes with any subject. You, know, you just get the, the gamut, and your thoughts are all over the place. You know, they're everywhere. And how in the world do you have peace when you have inaccurate thoughts coming at you because some people just because they're online or on tv doesn't mean they know what they're talking about <laughs> uh so uh, you, you you how do you get peace in a in a world like that you have to have something accurate and so what happens in that kind of environment is fear spreads like the coronavirus and so does anxiety now i thought it would be really helpful to hear from a medical doctor about this and so um, talk specifically about the coronavirus because we're all kind of asking a lot of questions about it, and I am not a medical expert. And we have um, Phil Newland, our very own Dr. Phil, who is here. 
And um, so I'm going to ask him some medical questions to kind of help us focus our thoughts on what's accurate and what's not so that we can access some peace. So I'm going to ask you some questions, um, get your medical opinion. And how long have you been a doctor? 30 years. Thir you, you've done this a little while. A while. You've seen a few things. And you were just telling me before the service that you've had multiple meetings about all of these things because yes. it's a big issue. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions. So tell me, why are we having all of these bans on getting people together? What's the story with that? What's the deal? Because I go, I go to the store, went to a restaurant last night. People are still everywhere. What's the deal? Well, I think the basis of that is that when this first was discovered and in China, that the impact in that local community was really quite devastating. There was a lot of issues of of uh, illness and severity of illness, and they recognized that the spread really came from, shall we say, close like contact, okay. right. Yeah. And it somewhat overwhelmed their healthcare system to even take care of it. Okay. So the decision was to try to slow the spread so that there could be learnings. There might be the option of a vaccine created in some pates, although that takes quite a bit of time. There might be options of medication treatment that could be discovered if we could just slow it down and be able to have the healthcare world wrap its arms around it to provide the kind of care needed. Okay. So they tried to slow it by. So, so when and when I'm not close to you in a big group, <coughs> coughing, no coronavirus. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> when I'm when I'm doing that and I'm distancing myself from you, that slows the spread of the disease. Is that right? Right. So that's why the bans. That's why they make sense. Right. And and this is a. In a, a pandemic does has a bell curve to it. Is that right? Yeah. And so this is going to pass. Right. This is not for the rest of human history. We're going to be dealing with the coronavirus right. in this way, right? It's a pandemic. So we're somewhere in this curve, and we're helping by not going places. We're making it better. Is that right? Am so I accurate the, saying that? Yes. So okay. the curve. We're still in the U.S. In the earlier swing of that, okay. in China, they're a little further along in that, but recognize that most of us simply don't have immunity to this because. It's new. It's not. That's the word been used. Novel, right? Right. And that's novel, what that means. Novel. Corona, no immunity to it. No vaccine. Right. As opposed to like the influenza, there are people okay. who have immunity from when the same thing came through sure. 30 years ago or 20 years ago. So, and people have been comparing this to the the flu and talking about you know the influenza kills all these people every year. How deadly is this? Because there are some people who are very concerned about that. Some right. people not. Right. Yeah. We see there's extremes of thoughts, and I recognize there are people who who asked that question, why is this more severe or why are we taking all these restrictions when influenza obviously has impact that we hear of in a much greater fashion than this? And I think that comes from the initial data that came out of China when they were testing people and just compared what was the mortality rate compared to the number of people infected. And it was about 3%, okay. whereas for influenza it's about 0.1%. Okay. Now, there's still some issues behind that data, sure. and there's still a lot of unknown. Okay. Um, and then who is, who is most at risk? I've heard all kinds of things, right. and I think the information is kind of settling down to pointing to more one specific group. But right. who, who is that? It is people who have some form of underlying significant chronic health condition. Okay. So somebody with chronic lung disease, COPD. Chronic asthma, cough that I have yeah, right now. It, maybe okay, not. Great. Uh, asthma, um, significant asthma, emphysema, heart disease, COPD. COPD, diabetes, and just people whose reserve is less. And that's why we think of the frailness of the elderly. 
And so a, a robust, healthy 71-year-old you know, is not as much at risk as a 58-year-old as a with a chronic disease. And, and is it accurate that um, younger, you know, 18 on down to kids is really not affecting as much? Is that is accurate? Right. It seems to be a much smaller population so far. I've heard 3 to 13 percent of the total people who have been positive are in that 18 and younger age group. Okay. okay. And then what do we need to do to prevent the spread? How do we, you know, just from an epidemiology perspective, medical, right. what do we need to do? What, how can just anybody who's a part of our church, in our city, what are we doing? There's just a number of small, simple steps. Uh, by all means, the, the concept of washing your hands faithfully actually works. Uh, washing well, frequently, avoiding physical contact. So we're looking at ways a person can come to a clinic or office or emergency room and not touch anything, just to reduce the spread through physical contact. Is, um, it, is it true, this is anecdotal, that men wash their hands less than women? Is this true? As a male, I refuse to answer okay, that question. Okay, thank you. I just like to say from my observations, it seems true, but I'm not in the women's restroom, so I don't know. So yeah, more other so, things we can do, yeah, so wash hands. Washing hands. Avoiding crowded situations with people, okay. avoiding connecting with people that are known to be ill. So can we go to the gym, go get groceries? I mean, what's, the, what's all this? Yes, yes. That... You can do those. If you go to the gym, go to the Y, bring your, or go to the station that has the sanitizer and wipe down things before and after you use them. Okay. It's just some simple steps like that. And, and those actually are effective steps. They are. Yes. That's scientifically proven. Yes. Okay. And avoid going somewhere if you yourself are ill and protecting those people at greater risk. So if you have a relative, a grandparent who is fragile, mm -hmm. this is probably the time to call them, to write them check a note, check in on them, yeah. but not necessarily go and visit them with your three children who have runny noses. There was a story that was on Twitter the other day. It was a, of a woman. She said she went to the grocery store and an elderly couple was sitting in their car, rolled down the window and said, could you come over here, please? And she came over and they, they said, we've been sitting in the car for 45 minutes. We've been too scared to go in. We've been waiting for the right person. Could you please go get our groceries? And the lady said, sure. Handed them a $100 bill through the window. They sat in the car. She went and got the groceries. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Yes. Is checking in. How can we help? Is there anything you need? Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Is there anything else you want to add, just from your medical perspective, just to help with that? This lowers my anxiety. Right. Hearing you talk about this makes it a little calmer right. for me. Focuses I, my thoughts. I think the hope from all these efforts is that we will look back nine months later and wonder: Did we really need to do this because it mm. worked, mm. or it wasn't needed? And until we know, sure. let's just assume it's because those efforts worked, and we did not end up with the severity that was postulated could happen, and let's okay. have to have some faith that these efforts will play a role and just embrace it and uh, look forward to looking back with some confidence. Okay. Dr. Phil, thank you. You betcha. I'm not going to shake your hands. There we go. So that, that helps me. I don't know if that helps you, um, but have a, a clear focus for my thoughts. Now, Isaiah says that we need to fix our thoughts on God. Now, I've I, got a really simple way for you to do that. You can focus on what God has made. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you've probably had this experience when you've gone out 
and you've walked outside, maybe there's a path near your house and you've, you've walked the path and you've, you've seen how beautiful the sky is and the grass is and, or you've had a day at the ocean and you've enjoyed creation and it's renewing to you and maybe you don't even have words to describe why it's renewing to you. Well, the reason it's renewing to you in the words of Isaiah is you're fixing your thoughts, whether you know it or not, on what God has made and so by extension on God. So you got to clarify the focus of your thoughts. Two more, two more banners we're going to hang under this message from Jesus about um, having peace and not having it as the world gives it. Uh, it's the fourth thing. You're going to have to start some new patterns. Start some new patterns. Psalm 34, 14. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now again, hanging our banners, why are we doing that? So we can win at, uh, at, at peace. And this is about, Isaiah, is, uh, Psalms is talking to us about patterns. And like roots, patterns have an outcome. And so if you are currently having no peace in your life, it might be worth considering your patterns. In other words, the decisions that you make the decisions you are making are deciding your destiny. This is not a minor point. Uh, we end up with the consequences of our decisions, and there, for many of us, there is no peace on the other side of the patterns that we have in our life. Now, how does the world tell us to deal with the patterns in our life? Well, do whatever you want. Uh, make it up. Try whatever you like. Now, again, I'm going to raise my hand as a pastor over here, and I want to give you an empirical observation. Um, I see people looking for peace all of the time. And one of the things they never stop to consider is that the direction they are headed, the decisions that they are routinely making, are the things that are causing them to have no peace. So people will come and they'll say something. I just, I, I just feel so anxious. I, just, I have no peace. I, I, I don't know what to do. And they don't pause and look at the patterns that they have in their life, and they don't think their choices uh, that they're making are linked to the peace that they're not experiencing. Now, the beautiful word in here in, I, in Psalm 34 is the first word of that verse, and it's a word Jesus uses as well, and it's turn. Uh, the psalmist says, turn from evil, turn from your patterns. This is the beautiful message of Jesus that at any point, you are not stuck, you can change and go in a different direction. This is the beautiful message of Christianity. We have a word for God's uh, uh, empowering ability that comes into our heart and mind and life and helps us to turn in a different direction. It's a five-letter word. It starts with G. It's the word grace. God allows do-overs, and he loves to give them out like candy. God loves you. He doesn't want you hurting. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to think about your patterns. He wants you to realize you can go in a different direction at any point. So, with God's grace, start new patterns. Last one, and then we're going to pray together at the end. Last one. I'm going to call it Find Better Shelter. Find Better Shelter. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. 
Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Again, last banner. Peace I give to you is not as the world gives. And so we put all these other banners that we're hanging underneath it. Last banner, because we're in it to win it with peace. Now, you need to know Jesus loved the Psalms, quoted the Psalms all the time. When Jesus was on the cross, he quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? Go read Psalm 22. It'll blow your mind. And I'm positive, just like a good Jew of his day, Jesus had the Psalms memorized. So he would have known Psalm 91. And, and could you just, if you're just, you say, I'm not a believer, could you just for a moment, uh, even if you are and you've heard Psalm 91 and you go, yeah, 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 not, not really true, could you just pause for a second and take it at face value um, that this is actually a reality you could step into? Because this is about where you find your shelter. And the psalmist says that we're to find our shelter in God. And if you find your shelter in God, what comes as a result? Well, you rest in the shadow of God instead of baking in the hot sun of your striving. You find refuge. What's refuge? It's a place of safety. You find a fortress. What's a fortress? It's a place of protection. Now again, take this at face value. If you take it at face value, this is a real possibility for your life. I know I'm convinced Jesus came so you could take God at face value and that you could find your shelter in God and not in other places. Now again, Jesus, I don't give you peace like the world gives. So how does the world tell us to find shelter? Well, we could talk about a lot of things. Money is a shelter. Now, having money is not bad. Um, the Bible is not against it. Uh, make as much money as you possibly can. Get as much money as you possibly can. What the Bible is against and says, warns against, he says the love of money is what messes you up. Not money. The love of money is what messes you up. And the problem we have as Americans is that can I get an amen? We love money, right? And when you love money and you, you, you count on it as your shelter, like that's what I'm really counting. If I have enough money in the bank, then I'm okay and I can have peace. When I don't, I don't. Then that creates worry, which is what? It's the opposite of peace. So money can be a shelter. Success can be a shelter. And, and again, success is not bad. Please be as successful as you possibly can in all the endeavors of your life. The problem is that we so often put our identity in how well we do. And so our identity is always up for grabs. And then peace is always just out of our grasp. If I was just a little bit more successful, then I would have peace. Now, we could talk, we could make this list as long as we could stay here today. But here's the bottom line. Because look, you're going to find shelter somewhere. That's human why not find shelter in God? He made you. You're his creation. So find better shelter. Now all of this, these five things, this is the gospel of peace. This is the good news. And the good news for followers of Jesus is that fear doesn't have the last word. The coronavirus doesn't have the last word. Your circumstances don't have the last word. God has the last word. God made you. He made all of this. He wants to know you, and he wants to give you peace. He wants to give you peace. 
So let's pray together. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, you can uh, find all the verses there on Facebook Live. And um, if you want, you can give there as well to, to your local church here. And um, that would make a huge difference. I just want you to know as your pastor, love you. Um, we're going to get through this together. This is not going to last forever. God's going to give us peace. And so let's be people of peace through the middle of this. Let's pray, okay? Lord, thank you that you came to bring peace to anxious hearts. And there are some of us that have been living in fear and anxiety because we don't know you. We don't know the shelter that you offer. We don't know the peace that you give. And we've been trying to find peace the way the world gives it in a chaotic, fearful, confused way. And it's not working. And we want to turn from that. And so I pray for my friend today who's listening and is watching and is, and is considering their own life, that they would see, Jesus, that if they begin to follow you, you begin to give them peace and you begin to replace the fear with your peace. And so do that for someone today. I pray for my friend in the room who does follow you and they struggle with anxiety and they struggle with fear. Some of them are my friends. And I pray that, that again today they'd be reminded that you love them and that you have them in the palm of your hand and you have their circumstances in con control. This is, nothing is too big for you. You're never overwhelmed by how broken the world is. You're never overwhelmed by how broken we are. And so I pray that, that your peace would would pervade their heart and their mind, would stand like the referee with the whistle. And that when, when a call, a, 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 an opportunity for anxiety comes, they would hear the whistle of your peace that says, oh, stop, you don't have to go there. And you would stand guard over their life with your peace, God. Thank you that you're available to us um, in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. We're grateful. We love you. We pray this in your name. And all of God's people said, Thanks for joining us.